From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration from movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. What are the things that you allow yourself to accept as rationalizations or justifications or qualifications for why you should stop moving towards your goal. That's kind of what we're unpacking today. We're going to talk with a very successful entrepreneur, uh, and he has ADD of all things, which uh, is you know uh, an interesting dynamic. And that's what we're gonna we're gonna talk through, and we're going to hear his approach not only in terms of his attitude about that, but also the attitude that he has as it relates to problem solving, and really something that is more like problem hunting. He's going to explain kind of what his whole philosophy is, is pretty radical compared to most people. And uh, once the interview is over, I'm going to come back and I'm going to share with you some of the challenges that uh, are put forth by Matt and how I think they apply to our lives and what we should be doing in terms of taking action and making things happen on the principles that are covered here. The guy's name is Matt Curry. He's the author of a book called The ADD Entrepreneur. And it's it's a fascinating case study. So I think you're going to enjoy it. We're going to get started. It's going to be a great show. We'll get into it just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern Coach, Go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. Approximately 11% of children uh, ages 4 to 17 in uh, which is about 6.4 million in the U.S. have been diagnosed with uh, ADHD as of 2011. And the man that you're about to hear from has a really interesting makeup. He is a serial entrepreneur. His name is Matt Curry, uh, and he has ADD. In fact, uh, I love this. Some of his friends and his family call him Hazmat. Um, <laughs> I think it's great. Uh, and he is uh, a Wall Street Journal bestselling author. Uh, the book is called The ADD Entrepreneur, How to Harness Your Superpowers to Create a Great Company. And uh, the book just came out last year and was number eight on the Wall Street Journal list. And uh, it's just, it's it's really, really an interesting story. And you think of ADD, uh, I don't know, who, you, who do you think of? What do you think? And that's what I wanted to talk to Matt about because he, uh, one of his one of his businesses that he started, I guess most notably, uh, grew to be about 150 employees, 20 million in revenue. It was called Curry's Auto Service. And they sold, uh, so he had a successful exit, him and Judy, 
uh, to a, a $1 billion corporation a few years ago. And uh, since that time, Matt's been doing a variety of things, investing and so forth, and, and now really kind of does coaching and consulting and speaking uh, in that space as well as some others. So, uh, Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot. It's great to be on your show. I appreciate it. Hope, hopefully, I'll be able to keep your attention for the next 20, 25 minutes. Um, and then <laughs> My wife duct taped be... me to the chair, so we should be good. <laughs> <laughs> so ADD, really interesting. I mean, you have had a very, very successful exit. Uh, do you think of having ADD as, as an advantage or a disadvantage? I actually think it's a huge advantage. Uh, my ADD allows me, I mean, it gives me a million ideas and a million miles an hour, but it also allows me to creatively problem solve and find ideas or, or solutions that other people may not. So I think, you know, if you, if you harness it correctly, you acknowledge it, you know who you are, um, and you surround yourself with people that are good at what you're not good at, like maybe the details. Like I'm, I'm a guy who like takes the deck of cards and throws it all up in the air and has, lets everybody else catch the catch the pieces. So I create the chaos and surround myself with people that, um, you know, that that are good at the details and and helping me execute my plans. So so tell me about that a little bit because I mean I you just said I guess the impact of not having those people is chaos. Um, did you realize early on you needed them? Where do you find them? How do you work with them? Like, how have you built that support structure? Well, I was medically diagnosed with ADD when I was 11 years old. So my parents took me to Children's Hospital in Boston. I went through two days of rigorous testing and evaluation. And on the third day, the doctors brought my mom, my mom and dad and myself in and said that I had um, some learning disabilities, slight dyslexia, and pretty acute ADD, and basically said that I'd have to work two or three times harder than anybody else to achieve any type of success in school or in business or in life. And uh, I kind of took that as a challenge. I was like, you know, I, I don't agree with them because I thought I was fine. I liked who I was. How old were you? I was 11. I mean, how would that make you feel, right? You know, it's, yeah. you have your parents and, the, and three doctors, you're surrounded, and they say, hey, you know, you're kind of whacked. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I turned it into to an advantage, I think, and, and surrounded myself with people like my best and highest use, for instance, wouldn't be locked in my office reading a 50-page contract from an attorney, okay? It's just not what I'm good at. Uh, I'm better being out in the field at one of the stores, you know, talking to customers and all that. So, you know, I, I hired a really good CFO and, and I just get the bullets from, from the contracts. So I, I think if you, you surround yourself, like some people are really good at details and, and doing the little things. Well, that's not necessarily my, my area of expertise. I'm kind of big, better at the bigger picture type of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, and you, uh, I think it's interesting that you consider it as such an advantage, which you, which you write about in the book. You also talk about in the book, other, um, other famous people and, and successful people that really notable people who have ADD. Well, a lot of people don't realize they have ADD, but, um, they do who could you just give us a few of the people off the list? Well, Michael Phelps, uh, the Olympic gold medalist swimmer, uh, Richard Branson, who I've hung out with quite a bit, Justin Timberlake, Paris Hilton, Terry Bradshaw, um, Alan Meckler of Media Bistro. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. There's a lot of very, very successful people who either have been medically diagnosed like I was or consider themselves to be AD, ADD or ADHD. And 
just about every one of those guys that you speak to or you read their book or whatever, they'll tell you that, you know, they think it's been an advantage for them in business because it, it, it gives them a ton, tons of energy. It allows them to, to kind of see over mountains and around turns uh, and, and, again, creatively pro- problem solve and, and execute on ideas. So there's a lot of really, really uh, uh, famous and successful people that have uh, that have ADD or ADHD. I mean, everybody's got something, right? You know, that just happens to be my thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I think of um, I think of the book uh, uh, David and Goliath that Malcolm Gladwell wrote. And uh, have you read it? I don't think I've read that one. No. So he talks about what you're talking about here is that basically we all like the story of somebody overcoming. You know, we like the the, the the rags to riches or like the overcoming story, but he makes the case that actually those things that you would perceive as disadvantages become advantages because it causes people to kind of look at the world differently. And, and I think, you know, the average entrepreneur, uh, they, they, you know, they think they can do everything. And so that's what they do is they do everything and they try to do everything and it, and it, and it, it's, it's, it keeps them stuck. Um, so tell me, I want to hear the story a little bit about Curry's Auto Service because this is, it's a wild story and I know some of the details about the story and in particular, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of not having debt, uh, you know, paying off debt, not using credit cards and not using leverage and uh, you, you have the most fascinating uh, story. So can you just kind of tell a little bit about like what ha- how did it start? What happened? Like what were some of the challenges you went through? Sure. So uh, first of all, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in beginning at the beginning. Uh, I started changing tires and mopping floors when I was 15 years old. I mm. uh, worked my way into management um, and ran seven different stores for three different companies and like doubled and tripled sales everywhere, everywhere I went. And I figured if I could do it for them, I could do it for myself. Uh, well, I f- started my first store in 1998 um, and uh, on, on $103,000 and 13 credit cards. And uh, it was in that the back. <laughs> is so insane. And what, what, what is even more crazy to me, as I've talked to you about this twice, is where you just kind of go, yeah, so I started, I just started on 103,000. So can you just say that just one more time? Just say that out loud. Okay. So I started, I started the business on $103,000 on 13 credit cards. The last wow. like $10,000 I had in the bank and a $35,000 loan from my father-in-law. That's even scarier. and it was in the back of a terrible industrial park with no visibility and four parking spots and uh i paid everything off within two years we expanded after 18 months we opened 10 stores we voted the number one auto repair shop in north america and uh it was a great ride and i got a i got an awesome offer about three years ago to you know, to exit. And we did. So it was, uh, it was an awesome ride. I've got a lot of great stories that I could go into, but it was scary, but I knew the business and kind of like you, I mean, there's no real shortcuts. You, you have to know what you're, what you're doing. And I did, I mean, I knew everything about the business from, you know, from starting at the bottom. And, uh, in the beginning you do do everything. I mean, I was the manager. I was the sales guy. I was the bathroom cleaner. I was the oil change guy. I was the tire change guy. Um, so you do what you have, whatever you have to do in the beginning to get going. And, you know, literally we're working 90 hours a week, but then, you know, after you get rolling and you get a su- support staff and, and things are good, you, you have to hire those people on that compliment you the, the most. 
and are good at what you're not necessarily mm-hmm. good at. Like I'm not a good technician. I, I don't really work on cars, but I was a great sales guy and a great manager. So I hired the best technicians to work on the cars. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes, that makes, it makes total sense. I, and you really, you, as, as much as it's, it's, it's crazy, that's a crazy risky, uh, amount of debt on the, on the other hand, success was your, it was your only option. I mean, it was like the only option. That's exactly what I told uh, my wife, my wife, Judy. So we just had our second baby, um, Jenna, and, uh, she was on maternity leave and, she went back to work after uh, three months or so, and after dropping both of our kids off at daycare, she goes, I-, I can't do this. And I'm like, yeah, we want to raise our own kids. So she had a pretty good job making about 60 grand a year, and she wanted to quit and come to work for the company. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, we're so far in debt that your $60,000 isn't really going to you know, save us. <laughs> so really our only option was success, <laughs> right? So the only option was success. And if you look at it that way, and if you have enough determination, confidence, and work ethic, and you're honest, and, and, you know, you do good work, great things can happen. And, you know, again, I believe in, in beginning at the beginning and taking the necessary steps and action items uh, to achieve your goals. It's not just going to come overnight. Like, how do you think you get people past that, that fear though? Right. Cause I mean, there's, that's an extraordinary amount of, uh, you know, risk and not everyone has to take the kind of gamble that you did, but how do you think, like, you seem to have always been able to just go into action mode. And I think a lot of people have this fear of either starting a business or launching towards any goal, or maybe doing something where they're like moved to a, a, a more pay for performance, like a commission based thing or, a you know, a, a, so how do you get yourself past that? You know, that's one thing that I really have always been tolerant of is risk. And I, I think that it's part of, you know, the ADD superpower thing is, you know, when I, when I like something or if I'm trying to achieve something, I'm hyper-focused on it. I mean, that's all I, you know, that's all I kind of have tunnel vision towards it. So, you know, you've got to, if you know your product or you know your industry and you're really good at it and you've had successes like, like I did, I ran a bunch of different stores for big companies, Goodyear and Merchants Tire and all that, and was very successful in those. So I knew I could do it for myself. I, I, I spent the time learning the business from the bottom up. So Mm -hmm. I think if people really have an expertise in whether it's social media or, you know, internet marketing or whatever it might be, you know, you've got to have confidence in yourself and then you've got to have a, a a game plan, right? You got to have a vision. Like what, you know, if I start a business, what is, what's it going to look like? And then a game plan, what steps am I going to take to get there? And and I wrote that down. I mean, back in the beginning, I said, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to have 10 stores and um, I want to do $20 million in sales and I want to sell. And my dad, he just passed away a few months ago, but he, before he died, he said to me, you know, damn it, darn it. He said, uh, he said, you did it. He told me you were going to have 10 stores and, and sell and you did it. And I never mm-hmm. thought about that until he said that to me. And I'm like, wow, you're right, dad. So I think if you have a vision and a game plan and an expertise, you can pursue all the goals that you want, you know, you can, and you can achieve those goals. Yeah. And I think it is, um, it's important to realize too. you, like you said, you didn't just suddenly 
put a hundred thousand or hundred and fifty thousand dollars into starting this business and you knew it top to bottom you had worked in every and you knew kind of what it it took but then you just took the leap on kind of making the gamble on yourself having confidence that you knew what it 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 would it would really take now one of the other things that you talk about in the then the book um you talk about being blunt is a good thing. And when I first read that, I was like being blunt. Cause it's not like even being direct. You say being blunt is a, is a good thing. So how, what's, how is that? Well, <laughs> when you, when you asked earlier how I get people, you know, to, with the skills that I don't necessarily have to work for me, uh, you've got to be a little thick skinned around me because part of the ADD thing is sometimes you say inappropriate things at inappropriate times. I mean, that's, that's just, it's part of the diagnosis. It's part of, you know, part of the medical diagnosis. Plus you're a man and being, and just being a man, it automatically only amplifies that condition. Absolutely. So I've got two, I got two strikes against me already. Right. Uh, (laughs) Um, but you know, there's a lot of people that spend a lot of times in meetings doing nothing, getting nothing done, nothing productive. And, you know, I think rather than, you know, beating around the bush and, you know, and, and trying to sugarcoat things, I, I don't think that's the best way. I believe in being respectful and being polite, but when somebody's not doing their job or <clears throat> if one of your stores has a problem, like I'd go to a store and if it was dirty, I'd go, you know, I, that's not the way our business was run. That's not the vision I had for my company. And I would bring the manager aside and I'd say, look, you know, you got to stop what you're doing. I don't care how busy you are and take 10 minutes and clean the whole shop up. You know, this is the way it's got to be done. So I believe that being blunt saves a lot of time and kind of creates a sense of urgency, which is important in any business. So you can't just, you know, a lot of owners, business owners or managers are just, and I've seen it in my own company, managers where they're just too nice and, you know, people end up getting away with too much. And once, once, they get away with too much. Once they stretch out one rule, the next rule becomes easier to stretch out. So you've got to have policies and procedures, you know, that, that are scalable and repeatable throughout multiple locations. And then you've got to, you've got to be blunt and make sure people are following those policies and procedures that you set up and not spend a lot of time in meetings trying to, you know, sugarcoat stuff. So I, I, so how, how do you do that though? Cause I think you're, you're absolutely right. I think a lot of, a lot of managers, they just, they don't have that. It's like, I don't like the confrontation. I, I don't want to upset someone. I don't want to, I don't want to seem also like I'm just like too demanding or demeaning. And how do you get past that? I think confrontation is a good thing. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head. People don't like it. I love it. I mean, I would mine for deep mine for problems in our business. You know, I would yeah. look, even when things were going spectacularly well, it's what I call practicing the art of creative destruction. You're mining for problems, mining for conflict, looking for them. We used to call every customer within mm. 48 hours. And if we didn't get them, we'd leave a message to say, hey, this is Matt from Curry's Auto Service. I just want to make sure you had your car in. I just want to make sure that everything was good. And you know, if you have any questions, whatever. So we would actively pursue our customers and, and employees to find out where the problems were so we could so we could fix them and get even better. So that's what it's all about. It's always about improving every day. I mean, that's a that is a completely unique and counter culture mentality this create what did you call it creative destruction yep practicing the art of creative destruction basically mining for problems and always trying to improve 
Yeah. I mean, I, and I think even just your attitude, not just confrontation with your employees there, but you're talking about confrontations with your customers. So you're not waiting for them to write some negative review or whatever on Yelp. You're like calling them up and, you know, if they're going to let you have it, they're going to take it out on you, which means they probably won't put it on Yelp because they've now dumped on you. And if there's a problem, you're the first person to know and you have a chance to fix it. Well, you know, and even when they do write a negative review on Yelp or whatever, Google, you need to respond to that review review and say, you know, in a publicly polite way and say, hey, you know, I'm sorry you had a problem. Here's my cell phone. Call me or how can I get in touch with you? Or you should have their contact information if they're a customer and make it right. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's uh, that's. Another thing is going to all those online review sites and seeing that's one way of, of mining for conflict or mining for problems. Another thing I used to do is when I visited my shops, and I, a lot of times I'd visit them every day, is I'd walk in the back. I'd walk and talk to the technicians first to find out where, you know, how things were really going <laughs> because they're going to tell you the truth. The managers necessarily won't. <laughs> you know, they're going to. They're going to make themselves try and look good, I guess. But you, it's like you talk to all your technicians or the the worker guys and and gals, and and really to 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 get a pulse of what's going on in your business. That is also a very interesting thing because I think it usually happens in reverse. You talk to the managers, and you're right; they give you they give you the best the best of. They share the good news. They're sharing the highlights. Right. I. Almost every time I'd walk through the shop first, talk to everybody in the shop, shake their hands, you know, and say, hey, how are things going? And you'd find out a lot of information. <laughs> not always good, but it's it's always it's not always good news, but it's always good information. That's such a great line. It's not always good news, but it's always good information. That's uh, so a tweet, a tweetable, a tweetable moment there. There you go. Uh, from from Matt Curry, brought to you by Matt Curry. Uh, <laughs> we're making we're making magic. We're making tweets. That's uh, right. So, so uh, I have one other question for you, and and I, I uh, it's related to problems solving and your parking lot business. But before we before we dive into that, where do you want to go? Like, where do you want people to go, Matt, to uh, learn more and connect with you? Uh, a dash of because a dash of curry is all you need. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's got my website. It's got a little bit about my speaking and consulting business. And uh, if anybody wants to reach out, I would love to talk to them. Yeah, I, I know it's uh, it's really cool that you, you have uh, this this uh, expertise in this this real specific area. I know you've done some really good, created like double double some businesses in that space. Uh, which you obviously know from the ground up. So last thing I, I just wanted to ask you about is how important is problem solving to business? And, and just tell us the story of your, of your parking lot business. <laughs> you like that story. So I do. <laughs> again, I started the business on $103,000 and 13 credit cards and didn't, you know, had four parking spots in the back of a terrible industrial park. I mean, it, we were like 10 businesses back, no visibility and when you're, you know, when your product is auto repair and you only have four parking spots, it becomes problematic. And the people next door to me were a heating and air conditioning company that had trucks all over the place. So it was kind of a mess. Anyway, we were still getting busier and busier and we'd have 25, 30 cars and we're parking them all around. Well, right behind me 
literally like a 10-foot walk in between a tree line was a big, empty parking lot. It was a about a mile drive. You had to drive all the way around the industrial park, but it, literally I could walk 10, 10 feet back behind my bu- building. So I started just parking cars back there. I figured I'd beg forgiveness rather than ask permission, right? So I didn't know who owned it or whatever. I just saw a big empty parking spot. So all of our employees parked there. When the cars were done, we'd park them there, which was great because we'd drive them around to bring them to a customer. So it was part of the test drive process. And uh, after about six months, the owner cut on and he said he couldn't park there anymore. So I made a deal with him, and I said, you know, I said, hey, I'll give you five hundred dollars, you know, a month. I'll rent them from you. He's like, okay, no problem, but you got to pay me cash at the first of every month. And I was like, done. So I got my first month payment, and I ran it, got the five hundred dollars, and went to his um, into his office, and he had this <laughs> big Rottweiler and Doberman Pinscher that just <laughs> roamed around aimlessly. I didn't know this the first time, right? So I'm walking in with my 500 bucks in an envelope, just you know, not a care in the world. And literally, these dogs come out of nowhere, and I'm and I'm like running to throw it back on his <laughs> desk, and I'm like diving to get out of there, you know. And so every month, you know, for literally like two years, three years, until <laughs> we, I had to do that and run the scary gauntlet of these big snarling dogs. And but you know what? I got my parking spots, and I never got bit. So um, <laughs> and I love dogs, but these guys were scary, and they were they weren't nice. <laughs> so uh, yeah, these are like the little like purse Chihuahua dog. This is this is the real deal. Yeah, this was a, a Doberman and a uh, uh, a, Do- a Doberman and a and a Cujo dog. It was crazy. And so you've been able to solve problems. I mean, you've been solving problems. And how how important is that? Do you think to I mean all these various businesses that you've built and you work in now that you're investing into? Well, problem solving is the key to entrepreneurship because anytime you open a business or whatever your your business is, you have to solve a problem in the marketplace, right? So I think, and the, the other thing is you want to give your, your employees, your people, empower them to solve problems and to handle customer issues. Uh, so I, what I do is uh, we used to go through an exercise and uh, I would teach my employees to, uh, when they had a problem, which was, you know, we worked on 5,000 cars a month, we're going to have problems, you know, find out, figure out what the three best solutions are to the problem, right? Find, you know, go through your, 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 uh, mental agility test and, and find out, figure out, okay, these are the, this is the problem. What are the, what are three possible solutions? And then, you know, is it, it, then also figure out, is it good for the customer? Is it going to make the customer feel better? Um, is it good for the company? And is it good for the, the employee? So if you can answer, if you can answer those three questions and come up with three solutions and you collaborate with the customer to find the best solution, everybody wins. And, you know, oftentimes you get your best customers, from how you solve their problems, you know, rather than if you have a customer who never has any problems, whatever, great, they love you, but it's how you solve your problems that, you know, a lot of times are going to, you'll have your strongest customers because of that. Yeah. Well, I think it, it really captures well, Matt, what your, your magic is. Your magic is you're in all of these scenarios and all of these stories you're looking for problems. You're not pretending the problems don't exist, whether it's with your employees and you're talking to, you know, the, the technician because you're trying to find the real problem or it's your customers and you're calling back uh, and, and um, 
you're calling directly, you're putting yourself in the line of fire, or it's solving the problem of a parking space and you're literally in the line of fire with the dogs. <laughs> right. Uh, every single month but it's it's not being afraid of the problem but rather embracing the problem charging the problem uh and in, in your case solving the problem so thank you for that inspiration and the insight my friend always always fascinating to talk with you and uh i also wanted to acknowledge i know that you guys uh you and your wife are big uh philanthropists and uh so thank you for for giving back in all the various ways that you do thank you for having me on your show appreciate it i have to tell you there's a word that comes to mind when i think back on on that interview with Matt and the word is bold. I mean the guy is just bold and there's so much to be to be said for boldness and just confidence and moving forward with an assertive nature. And I just I love that. The there's two really big things that I took away. The the one was just a great reminder about the problem solving, right? Being creative about problem solving. We it's so easy to whine and complain and get bogged down and f- get negative and feel tired and drained by challenges. And that's what some of us do, right? Is we we get the challenge, something doesn't go our way and we just we just sit on it and think about it and we fester in it and we we spend all of our time and energy complaining about the fact that we have the challenge or being upset about the fact that we have the challenge rather than simply transforming that energy into doing something about the challenge. You know, rather than taking that energy and moving it in the direction of solving the problem. And I think that's a that's a major point of delineation between ultra performers and everyone else is most people hang on that problem. They 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 can't focus on anything except the problem. And the ultra performers immediately move to an acknowledgement of, okay, so there's a problem. What are we going to do about it? And that's so simple, but it is so incredibly rare. There are so few people that actually do that. And do you do that? I mean, when you have something that comes up that doesn't go your way, do how much time do you spend being frustrated about it and sad about it and worrying about it versus transitioning right into doing something about it. And there's, uh, you know, this was something I feel like I learned at uh, selling books in the summer with Southwestern Advantage when I was back in college because they just, you know, they just programmed us with this, like, you know, the person with the most problems makes the most money and we eat challenges for breakfast and, you know, I can overcome any challenge, like bring it on. Uh, kind of mentality. I mean, just really intense about problem solving, but going through that process of just coming up with solutions, that is huge. I mean, that's the first step. If you can just move logically to like, okay, what are what are my options? And then what is my best option? So that was a great reminder and a refresher. I actually haven't had anyone share that really on the show that I could think of recently. So that was really good. But probably the biggest thing that I take from Matt and and hope hopefully you will also because i will say this you know matt is probably you know there's some things that he does that are very much different from what i would do i mean obviously the debt thing is pretty pretty big 100 103,000 dollars in debt is pretty huge um on credit cards probably not something that i would recommend but 
the the thing you know that speaks again to his boldness, which I love and I admire. But but the thing I I loved most about Matt and his attitude is it is just one of no excuses, right? It's like the guy has ADD, and you could what an what an easy out for him. Like ADD is the easy out. It's easy to go, well, yeah, you know, it didn't work out because I have ADD or I'll never be able to do this because I have ADD. And the thing that I'm realizing as I get older is we all have easy outs. There, there, somewhere in your life, there is an easy out. There is a justification, a rationalization, an excuse. There is, there is something that you could offer up that most people in the world would accept as valid, right? They would say, oh, well, that makes sense that it didn't work because of this, or that makes sense that, you know, you're, you're quitting or giving up because of, of this. And there are a million of those. And the real question is, what are you allowing to be your excuse? What are you allowing to be your stopping point? Because you can find those easy outs. They're all over the place. You, you, can, you can find them. You can call them excuses. Um, and and I, don't, I don't think of them actually so much as excuses anymore. To me, an excuse is, you know, something that's like lame. Um, you know, if I'm late, it's like, oh, well, there's traffic. And, you know, I'm, I'm late all the time. I struggle with this. So <laughs> but I, I always, you know, think to myself, I think it's, it's like the rest of the people sitting in the room that have been there on time and, and them all looking at me like, well, how do you think we got here by helicopter? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a it's a lame excuse. It's like, well, you know, there's traffic, and I think that's an old Ellen DeGeneres joke. She does a whole spiel on that, and uh, you know, to me, that's an excuse. It's like there's traffic. Like, plan for the traffic, dude. That's an excuse. But ADD is is one of those things where it's it's more of just like an it's an out. It's a it's a thing that nobody's going to challenge you on. They're not going to step up and and and, you know, they're not going to call you out and say, well, you're just weak. That's just an excuse because it's not really an excuse. It's a it's a challenge, but it's it's an easy out. And so what are the easy outs in your life or in your business? Right. What are the justifications that you let yourself buy into? I, I mean, I think of the easy out when it comes to physical exercise for me is it's it's like, oh, well, I travel all the time. Like, of course, of course, I, I, I haven't made time to go to the gym or, you know, I'm, I'm not going to work out because I'm traveling. And people, most people relate to that. They go, oh, man, yeah, it must be hard, you know, speaking at 70 events a year and you're on the road 80% of the time. And, uh, you know, I, that, that must be uh, challenging. But that's the easy out for me. Like, I, that's, the easy, that's the easy thing to say. And you got to be careful of those easy outs because there's no one there to hold you accountable. And that's what is so cool about having a coach because while the rest of the world says, oh, yeah, poor baby, or that makes sense, or I'm so sorry – you know, coaches can really play that role and serve that purpose of going, you're being a wimp. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, it, and it, it's, it, maybe it's not as an excuse, but it's, it's a reason and it's, it's that easy out. So whatever your goal is, you're going to have those, you're going to have obstacles and you're going to have challenges and then you're going to have the easy outs and you got to defeat both of them. You have to make that decision. You have to, you have to decide now that you're not going to accept the easy out, that you're, you're not going to be okay with just accepting whatever that excuse or that rationalization or that justification is. 
and it's not easy, and it's not fun always, and, but it, it's, it's what is required to be exceptional, right? Extraordinary results don't come from average commitment. Extraordinary results don't come from average work ethic. Extraordinary results don't come from an average attitude. Extraordinary results require extraordinary work ethic, and they require an extraordinary attitude, and that means being a person who doesn't accept the excuses and doesn't take the easy out and and doesn't say, just because everyone else says it's okay, I'm going to say that it's okay. So watch for that this week. Be bold, be a problem solver, and don't take the easy out. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that really helps us out. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.